0: How's everybody? You good? Uh, Okay, I have to start by repenting, which is probably pretty good. So I'm sitting outside, and and Eddie's like, don't put the 10 up. He's like, it's going to rain. I'm like, there is not a chance that it's going to rain. I'm like, Eddie, there's zero chance. And just to know that I am right, I asked Siri, and she said zero percent chance of rain. So Eddie, I apologize. You are correct. I am wrong. I was emphatic about it. And the beauty of it is when he went out there, all the water from the tent dumped on him. So that was perfect. What's funny, too, is I I was so mad at Siri, I I called her back and and said, I said, Siri, is there going to be rain? And then it said, 100% chance of rain. I'm like, Siri is is schizophrenic, so stay away from her. And she doesn't know where to bury dead bodies, either. I tried. I tried. That's a joke, okay? People do ask those questions and she's, yeah. All right, uh, welcome. I'm so glad you're with us this morning, even on this, this rainy day. It's, uh, it's good to be in, in, in the presence of the Lord with family and friends. I, I want to reiterate uh, one of the things that we just talked about was this women's uh, ministry event that's coming up. And I really want to encourage you, uh, Chris has been praying and, and the team has been praying and, and uh, uh, you know, you guys, it, it is just will be a powerful time for you women. So um, I really want to encourage you to sign up for that, maybe grab another a girl and bring her with you, another woman with you, but uh, it, it really is, a, a Tammy Overhauser is uh, coming out who's a good friend and an incredible communicator, so um, Do what you can to get out there. I think you'll be blessed by it, uh, ladies. So, and we get a break. (laughs) That was, I did not say that for that reason. But as I was thinking, I'm going... Plus, we get a break. Unless you have all these kids, and then we don't have a break. Okay. All right. Ephesians. We're in this series on. Am I digging holes today? I'm just like going deeper and deeper in. Uh, we're in this series uh, in the book of Ephesians, and uh, it's it's been. I've really enjoyed it. I hope you guys have enjoyed it too. If you've missed any of the services, obviously online, you can you can get caught up with what we've been uh, teaching on and and what the word says. And and let's let's start with. Uh, with Ephesians 1 15 through 23, today. If you have your Bibles, you can read it, or we can just read it from up here on the, on the screen. And it says this For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord, I, I, I actually paused here. Um, it, I'm going to get to it. I'll get to it. Ever since I heard your faith in the Lord, Jesus, and your love for all of God's people, I've not stopped giving thanks for you. Is that thunder? Oh gosh, it's freaking me out today. What the heck? I'm like, is God smiting me because I said there'd be no rain. Now all of a sudden there's thunder and it's snowing and raining out here. What the heck is going on this morning? Okay, I I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in, in my prayers. I keep asking that God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation so that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in the holy people and the incomparable in great power of us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realm, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion. And every name that is invoked, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything in the church, which is his holy body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. Let's pray. Father... Lord, I just uh, pray for peace. Lord, I pray your spirit. God, I pray that you would speak. Move me out of the way, God, that you'd give us ears to hear this morning. God, you prepare our hearts to receive what, whatever it is you would speak to us this morning, Father. Lord, I, I thank you for the rain. I thank you for the freshness and the washing away, Father God. And just bless us this morning as we spend a little time in your presence. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Paul is uh, in the last few weeks we've talked about has hit us several different things in this beginning of it. It's it's rich, it's thick, it's deep. He talked about spiritual blessings and God's choosing and redemption through the blood of Jesus and God's sovereignty and the gospel. and And last week we hit hard on, on the inheritance that each one of us is, have in in Christ Jesus. and 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 he's hitting on all these things. And there's there's much more to come. But but Paul has this big heart for the church in Ephesus, for the men and women in Ephesus. But but something shifts in these next few chapters that, that I just read. There's this little subtle shift that you might not see if you're just reading through, but but if you really stop and sit and you look who Paul is, who's Paul? He's an apostle. What does apostle mean? Sent one. He was sent by God to Ephesus to the church. He was a missionary to the church in Ephesus. He was a teacher setting the foundation as a spiritual leader in the church in Ephesus and then obviously a church planter. But but something shifts in these next few chapters. We see Paul in this light that, that you don't necessarily see before. When you think of Paul, when you read of Paul, you think of this strong man who, who, who used to persecute Christians and now is just blowing up the, 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 the foundation so that, that Christ may be heard in all these different cities. But, but it, it, there's this little shift. And Paul starts to sound a little bit like a pastor. Well He, he starts sounding pastoral in his writings. And what do pastors sound like? Let let me read this chunk again so we can get it. And this is, for this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus. And this is where I want to pause real quick. And I'm not going to go deep on this sidetrack. There's so many things I can go into, but I want to ask you this. Has anyone heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus? Do people see your faith in the Lord Jesus? Do they taste? Do they experience? Just a sidebar. Okay, let's get back to what he says. The, I've heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people. I've not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus and the glorious Father may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Huh. So that you may know him better. I pray that my eyes of my heart might be enlightened in order that may you may know the hope which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people. There's a lot of scripture here, but, but stay with me. There's some important things that Paul is saying. As a pastor, what Paul does, what is he doing here? What is he doing? He gives thanks and he prays for his flock. He prays for his people. Two things that Paul does right here in this scripture is he gives thanks and he prays for the flock. What if we stop right here? The, the reality is this. I could stop right here and not preach any more of this passage and just sit in this place as a church and as a Christian asking this question. What if for your husband or for your wife or for your kids? What if What if for your neighbors? What if for your coworkers? What if for the, the men and the girls and the boys that you go to high school with? What if for the students that that you teach? What if for your finances? What if for your health? What if whatever, fill in the blank. What if the next 30 days, all you did with regards to that thing, whatever that thing is, gave thanks and prayed? You're going, wait, wait, wait. Someone in here, I I, I am sick. I'm going to give God thanks for my sickness. I'm going to say, thank you that I'm sick. No, no, that's not what I'm saying. My mom, her birthday was yesterday. So, um, before she passed, um, well, most of the life that I remember, she was in pain. She suffered with disease. And, 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 Paul says, give thanks in all all things and pray. Uh, This woman was a picture of what that looked like, that you can be in in pain and you can still thank God because as we said last week, the reality is this, the very next breath that you draw upon has been given to you by God. At at the very essence of, of life, of the reason you're here is because of who God is. So what if... Whatever it is you're, you're wrestling with, whomever it is in your life that, that is a difficult person for you, what if you did this for the next 30 days? I thought this is a great opportunity, and when we receive communion a little bit, at each of the communion tables, there's a card, a little card. It looks like this, and it says, 30-day commitment to give thanks and pray. What I want us to do See, I think you need to have practical legs to our ministry is if you go up there that, that maybe you grab one of these and on the back of it write the name or whatever it is you're going through and then maybe put it in your, on your dashboard or put it on your mirror in your house and for 30 days what I'm asking you to do is pray and give thanks for that. You want to see the atmosphere change in your life? You want to see things change in your marriages and your relationships with your kids? Commit to doing this for 30 days. Paul knew this as a pastor. What did Paul know about this? What did he he see? Why was he asking the Ephesians, the church at Ephesus, to do this? To give thanksgiving and pray. Well, thanksgiving, first and foremost, it's an attitude of the heart that is awakened by the realization of our state apart from Jesus Christ. Thanksgiving is an attitude of the heart That that is awakened knowing that if I didn't have Jesus in my life, this is what things would look like. What would they look like? Our state, apart from Christ, thanksgiving starts at this point, that I would have separation from God. That I spiritually would be dead inside. That I'd be bound to my sin and condemnation and guilt would follow me wherever I go. See, See, Paul understood that that this thankfulness is, is this awakening. Oh, God, thank you. Oh, God, thank you that I'm not separated from your son. Oh, God, thank you that the Holy Spirit lives in me. Oh, God, thank you that I'm not bound to sin. Oh, God, thank you that I don't have to walk in condemnation and guilt. Thankfulness is a choice not determined by our circumstances. I don't know what everybody's going through. I know what some of you are going through right now. But I can tell you this. Thankfulness is, 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 is not determined by... You, you don't, you're not thankful or not, not thankful because of what you're going through because here's the deal. We're all going through something. And things may be great right now, but wait till tomorrow. The Bible really very clearly says the storms are coming. There's no way around it. And my thankfulness... Is not determined by the circumstances that swirl around me. My thankfulness is as a choice of knowing that God gave me eternal life, that He gave me hope. Paul says, "I have not stopped." Literally, when you look at the at the, at the Greek, there he says, "I have not. I'm, I'm not ceasing. I'm continually." giving thanks for you. I'm constantly, you know what pastors do? They thank God for the people that they place in their hands. You know one of the things we do on Wednesdays when we sit here and pray? We pray for you, and we thank God for you. Some of the times when we pray, we get up, we walk through all these chairs, and, and there's usually four, five, seven of us, usually four of us. So we walk through these chairs, and, 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 and we pray for you by name. Some of the names we don't know, but We pray. See, Paul is understanding that, that, that as pastors, he has this heart for his people, the ones that God had given him. He says, I'm not ceasing to pray for you. I'm not going to stop praying for you. Maybe it's a loved one. Maybe it's one of your children that, that you can't, you can't, don't stop praying for them. This woman, for my children, thank God for her because I ceased many a time. That's kind of funny, okay? It's true, but I ceased them many a time. But this woman just would pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and pray and, and get up again and pray. That's what Paul does for the church in Ephesus. That's what some of you need to do over your relationships, over your finances over the difficulties. Let me clarify something. When I say over your finances, I'm not telling you to cease and pray and then you, God bless my finances, that you're gonna be rich. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about a scriptural balance that says I'll meet all, my, all your needs according to my glorious riches. And God has met my needs sometimes and it was just a meal. No more, no less. So don't, don't get all excited and say, pray without ceasing and I'm gonna have a new Corvette. Who drives Corvettes anyways? Old guys with gold chains. So you don't want to drive a Corvette. You know, when, if you can drive a Corvette when you're 25, okay, that's one thing. But, oh, sorry. Whoever has a Corvette and has gold chains in here, therefore there's no condemnation in Christ Jesus. <laughs> Let's talk after. Um, <laughs> Paul does not cease to give him thanks. But then Paul shifts and he prays for them. See, there, there's two things. You could say thank you, Lord, for them all day long, but, but if it's not connected to this, this prayer thing, this, this seeking God, this, this reach, it's like God, I, this burden that you hold for them, then, then we're missing an aspect of who God has called us to be as pastors of our families, pastors of churches. He says, God, thank you for those you gave me. Now help them. His prayer was that they would grow spiritually. My prayer for... my, my You know what's wild? Your kids leave your house, and, and I find myself praying more now than I did when they're in my house. Because when they're in my house, I can just knock them around and throw them in the room. But now... Okay, you guys know I get sarcastic, okay? So don't report me to CPS or whatever that thing is. Because um, that's not fun. Um, so anyways... Uh, I, I, he's praying that, 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 that they grow spiritually, and as my kids are away, I'm like, God, just be what, let them grow in you spiritually as they're away. That, that, that they are deep in their knowledge in you and understand the blessings of their faith and grasp the power, that they would grasp the power of this word. And my prayer is that, that my children would grasp the power of this word in their lives and that they, they wouldn't just be out there all alone and when they're going through difficult times, that, that they would grab a hold of the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in them through this word. And it would change them. Why does Paul pray this way? You know, because he knows something that many of us as Christians don't believe. Paul actually believes the Scriptures. You know what the Scriptures say? The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Christians don't believe that. I mean, we, we say it and we believe, you know, it up here, but, but we don't live our lives as though the enemy is coming, sin is crouching at the door, and his desire is contrary to you. We don't, we don't live our lives in such a way that, that 1 Peter 5.8 is real. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, looking for someone to devour. Yet Paul, as he's writing in this book of Ephesians, realizes that the gods in Ephesus, Baal, and, and the, the, the different worship uh, 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 tendencies that they had in, in Ephesus, that, that there's all these distracting gods. And the enemy wanted to steal Look, you need to know that there is an enemy out there and that he wants to steal, kill, and destroy you, your children. He's real. And Paul understood this. Paul has a clear picture of the enemy, so he prays these three things. He says that you'd grow in your faith in relationship with the Father, that your eyes would be open and illuminated, and wisdom and revelation would come forth in your lives. The first thing he says is that, that you would know... A uh, him, the father better. there's something about knowing the Father. When, with, with my children, when I have this, this intimate relationship, when they know me, they know me too well now, because they finish my jokes. They know me too well now because they know where I'm going to go eat. They know, they know all aspects about me. They know how I'm going to react when something, I'm trying to change some of those things. Some I'm trying to surprise them. But, but there's this, this, this knowledge of who I am because they've, they've been intimate with me for the last however many 20 some years. And and this is what Paul is saying to the church in Ephesus. He's saying that that you may know the Father, that you may, the word is gnosko, that you may have an intimate knowledge of the Father, that you would have interacted with the Father, that you would know him on a first-name basis. You would know his tendencies. You would know who he is. And Paul says when you know the Father that way, you know his voice. He says that, that when you know the Father in this intimate way, that your eyes and heart may be enlightened, that you may actually see, excuse me, that, that you, would, you would have the ability to look beyond the facade of this world and God would expose it. He'd expose it. You'd go, oh, I see that. I see where the enemy's working. How many things do we just walk by how many, let me do, how many gosh TV shows you just watch and you just go, ah? And the reality of the enemy's gone. Let me just reel them in a little bit. How many things do you listen to? And your eyes are just not enlightened to. You don't see. And, and Paul says, look, look, I want the church to see what's happening in the spiritual realm. What's happening. Some of you need to have eyes to see what's happening in your marriage, what's happening with your children, what's happening in your neighborhoods. But then he presses on and he, and, and he prays, and he prays for the spirit of wisdom and revelation. Does anybody know what wisdom is? Wisdom, you all do. Wisdom is the application of this word. This is knowledge. See, this is what Jesus preached against with the religious people. They just had all this knowledge of this word. And man, did the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the religious people. They knew this word inside and out. And let me tell you, the enemy knows this word inside and out. But here's the difference between knowing this word inside out it's the difference between knowing what it says and doing what it says. Wisdom is the application of knowledge, it's taking truth. And walking them out. It's not just love your neighbor. It's loving your neighbor. It's caring for others. It's doing what God has called us to do. And, and, and Paul prays that they would have that wisdom. But then he also prays that they'd have the revelation. What's the revelation? The revelation is this. And I was just talking to, I think it was Doug and someone else at the work the other day about this, that that Jesus, you know, he spoke in parables. And and God says that he would, Paul says that he would give us revelation. Jesus spoke in parables so that only the believers would understand what he was saying because he was going specifically to this group of people. And uh, revelation is this, that you're reading God's word, and all of a sudden you see something, a depth of something in his word that you've never seen before. Has anybody ever experienced that? Where it's just like, whoa, where'd that come from? Where where his word was just illuminated. It's a depth of knowledge. Revelation is what I need. You want to know what I need in this crazy place called life? You want to know what I need to raise the kids and then now I've got grandkids coming to my life? You know what I need to be married to this? I mean, what she needs to be married to this man? What we need... You want know what I need to make it in Orange County and live and pay the bills in Orange County? Do you know what I need? I don't need more money, although I'll take more money. I don't need, you know, uh, uh, more cars and bigger houses, although that's fine. What I need is the wisdom of God. You know what I need? I need the revelation of his word and who he is. See, because this is only a moment in time. Some of us are living like this is eternity, When eternity is actually there and we're living like it's here. I need God's wisdom to raise kids in 2023. I need God's wisdom to figure out what the heck's going on with this economy. I need God's wisdom practically in life. And I need a revelation of who he is. That's what Paul is praying for. See, when you when when you know the Father, he gives you wisdom and revelation. Your eyes are opened and enlightened. And then you'll know what? you know your inheritance. You'll know your inheritance. What did what we talk about last week? Our inheritance, this present inheritance today on this earth is the forgiveness of our... Our inheritance is forgiveness of sins reconciled to God. It's indwelling of the Holy Spirit, the power of the Holy Spirit. It's the fruit of the gifts, uh, the fruit of the Spirit. It's the gifts, spiritual gifts. It's the victory over sin and death and the purpose of Christ. Those are what we've inherited today, the now. And then the then, the eternal inheritance eternal life, realization of God's presence, absence of sin and suffering, participation in God's eternal kingdom. See, Paul is building something here from from the beginning of Ephesians and and throughout. And and he's he's telling us when we have this revelation of who God is and we have this relationship with God, we understand what our inheritance is and we actually walk in, in our inheritance and there's a freedom that we walk in. There's a wisdom that we walk in and there's a depth of relationship that we have with him. Yet, as I said last week, we have a church that is an inch deep and a mile wide. I've gotta look in the mirror myself. Am I an inch deep and a mile wide? Maybe next week I need to be two inches deep and a half a mile wide. Maybe next month I need to be three inches deep, quarter mile wide. Does that make sense? See, because that's the definition of relationship. When I started my relationship with her, it was an inch deep and the mile wide was that. Like, this is the greatest thing ever. And then I spent another week with her, and that inch went to... That, that wasn't a bag on her. That was a good thing. It went deeper. And I spent two weeks and a month. Actually, we spent six weeks, and then we were away from each other for about a year. And, just, and then back, and, and then it just went deeper and deeper. That's what relationship is, going deeper and a little bit deeper. And the depth of 27 years is completely different than the depth of seven years. It's the depth of one year. And that's what God wants with you and me. He wants a depth in our relationship. Not just a check in, check out. And and when you get that, you'll you'll understand your inheritance. And Paul's saying this the answer to your whatever your whatever is, fill in the blank, is to know Him intimately. Wait, 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 wait. The answer to my financial problems is to know God intimately? Absolutely. In the midst of the times that, that we've been in financial difficulty or, or working through houses or whatever it is, what I have found is this. When my relationship with God is deep, when I'm trusting in Him, when I know Him at a deep level, there's a peace that I can't walk in otherwise. See, the answer to your whatever it is, fill in the blank, is for your eyes to be and your heart to be enlightened. For you to see beyond what you think is the issue. Now, let me clarify here. That does not mean that these issues don't matter and that you're not going through them. Dear Jesus, there are people that are going through some difficult, difficult things. What I'm saying is this. Jesus didn't say, I was going to take it all away from you. What he said is, I'll be there for you and I'll walk with you in it and I'll get you through it. Big difference. Then I'll just wipe it away. You know why? Because something happens in the midst of it. Something happens right in the middle of your stuff. You thought I was going to go somewhere else, didn't you? Again, kind of funny, but that's all right. Stay with me. You thought, I think, that in the middle of my stuff, that that God's just going to rescue me. But in the middle of my stuff, what God does is bring peace and shows me the light at the end of the tunnel. And then what he does, is he starts to work on my character. And as I start to submit myself to him, as I start to allow him to do what he's going to do, in the midst of that storm, I become more of who he's called me to be. Oh, I don't like it. Who does like the beatings that come with the wave after wave after wave? But I like what comes on the other side. Paul says, God will give you wisdom and revelation. Why? Why? So that you know his inheritance. Why? That's always good to ask the why question. Why? Ah, remember verse 12 last week? So that God is glorified through you. This whole thing is about God's glory going through you into this dark place. Why? So that others would see the hope of Jesus in you. See, remember the question I asked earlier, is, is anybody, anybody see Jesus in you, see the life of God in you? Here's, here's the key. They need to see what you're going through, whatever it is you're going through or have gone through, and they need to see that, that in the midst of that difficulty, God was right there with you. And then they, go, they start asking questions like, how did you do it? You're Jesus. How did you make it in this life, Jesus so that others would see the hope of Jesus in you. That's what this is all about. I I don't know if you guys know that. But the reason that you're here is that Christ would be glorified through you. And it doesn't mean being a pastor. It means being a mechanic. It means being a teacher. It means being whatever you, God has called you to. Thankfulness and prayer are directly correlated the glory of the Father. Thankfulness and prayer will change the atmosphere in your life like nothing else. Thankfulness and prayer. Paul says thankfulness and prayer. He is thankful. He doesn't say be thankful. Paul is thankful for the church in Ephesus, verse 19, and his incomparable great power for us who believe. That power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly realms." When you walk in your inheritance, when you understand who God is and you're intimate with him, when you have wisdom and revelation, what you start to understand is who you are in Christ Jesus and you walk in a bold, confident in who Christ is in you and you walk in the power of the Holy Spirit and things start falling off of you and the insecurities that you dealt with for years start to pass away because you you know that the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you gives you the strength and you're defined by him and not that thing that you did or the thing that you were. It's this power of the Holy Spirit. Why is Paul so certain of this Holy Spirit? His certainty sits in Romans 8 as he wrote the book of Romans, and it says this, If the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, the Holy Spirit, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit, Who dwells in you. What is he saying? That someday we will spend an eternity with him and Jesus will resurrect our mortal bodies. What is he saying prophetically for today? That he can resurrect whatever it is you're going through. It it is the same holy, you hear me say it over and over again. I say it virtually every week because it's that spirit, the Holy Spirit that lives in me that, 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 that changes your life. Paul says you have the power to overcome sin. If you're dealing with sin today, the Bible says that you have the power through the Holy Spirit as you submit to the Holy Spirit and understand your inheritance in Christ Jesus to overcome that sin. You have the power to break addictions. You have the power to love like you've never loved before. You have the power to forgive that person that you haven't forgiven. It's not in your own power. It's the power of the Holy Spirit. Some of you in here have been hurt so bad that you can't physically forgive someone. And I get it. I get it in that that I've seen people. Not that I've walked in that completely. But you're in a place where you in your own strength cannot forgive. And God never meant for you in your own strength to forgive. Forgive. He meant for the power of the Holy Spirit that lives in you to guide, direct, and walk you through that forgiveness. And some of you, you're grasping on your own to try to forgive, and God goes, no, no, no. The Holy Spirit. Paul says that power to pray, that power to serve, and you're going, I don't want to. the power of the Holy Spirit that 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 is in you. The power to walk in freedom no condemnation no guilt no none of that stuff comes through the holy spirit but if you don't know your inheritance and you're not intimately connected to the father and the wisdom and the eyes are cloudy and you don't have the enlightenment that 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 paul says that the holy spirit promises you we're walking around like zombie christians and you know what people say i don't want to be like that I am certain they've said that of my life at times. Oh, God have mercy. I mean, we'll all go through that. But, but, but it's, it's all about closing this gap and, and that zombie Christian gap into that holy, loving man or woman that God has called us to be in the midst of our crazy. Because here's the reality. Here's what I've realized in 27 years of ministry. It's profound, stay with me. Everybody's screwed up every one of you. Me. The issue isn't, are you screwed up? It's, how screwed up are you? Are you Jeffrey Dahmer screwed up? <laughs> or are you Mother Teresa screwed up? It's, it's about this, this sanctification of life, of intimacy with God, where I, I was this and I'm getting more like him. More like him, more like him. I'll never be this, but I'm, I'm more and more. until tell am in heaven with him. But at this point, I, if I can get it in here, Paul says we have the power through the Holy Spirit. He says you have the power to do that, to walk in it through the Holy Spirit. Some of you think in your minds, I can't get around that. It's never going to go away. I'll never be able to do it. I'm just saying the moment you find out who God is and you walk in your inheritance and realize that as you surrender to the power of the Holy Spirit and you allow Him to walk it out, and here's the thing, it's not a one-time fits all it's a get up every morning and walk in the fullness of who you are in christ jesus it's recognizing who god is every single day it's recognizing that the holy spirit lives in me every single day what kind of marriage would it be and i've used this analogy before if i stood on the aisle with her and then after a week or so i just lived my life as though i wasn't married to her yet we do it all the time as christians it's foolishness We don't do it in the natural. Why do we do it in the spiritual? What is this power for? What is the power of the Holy Spirit for? Verse 12. So that God is glorified in and through you. Why? (laughs) So that others would see the hope of Jesus in you. Are you seeing the pattern here? are you seeing that uh, maybe this Christianity thing isn't just checking in once in a while Uh, see the pattern is God wants to use you to reach others See, the, the, the pattern is that that you have a calling on your life, and when you understand your inheritance and the calling on your life, it's that that you walk in the fullness of who God has called you to be, whatever that means. And when you walk in the fullness of who God has called you to be, you feel his presence. I, I, I mean, I, I've used the example before, and I'll use it again, But but my son TJ, who who uh, surfed and did all that he did, and, and we didn't think he was the brightest bulb on the tree, but he was a good-looking good, you know, good looking kid, so we thought maybe he'd make it. I can say that. I tell it to his face, because today um, he, he graduated from Bud's, and those guys aren't stupid. He's very intelligent, but here's the point. When he found out what he was created to do, he walked in the fullness of it. And all of a sudden everything in his brain unlocks and he's, he's calculating things that I, I can I can barely go two, four, six, eight, but he's calculating things in split seconds and and, and looking at things and, and ah you know why? He's doing what God created him to do. Some of you are, are square pegs and round holes and not doing what God and you're like, ah. But, but here, you've got to remember being the round peg and the round hole is so that others would see Jesus. You know what the pattern is? That Jesus wishes that none will perish. You know what the pattern is? For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that that whoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. You know what the pattern is? There's someone in your neighborhood that needs Jesus and they're looking at your life. You know what the pattern is? There's someone you go to school with who needs Jesus and needs hope and is looking at your life. You know what the pattern is? That God wants to use you in your workplace to make a difference so that Christ might be glorified and they might walk in the hope of Jesus Christ. Otherwise, we're just playing church. Eh, yeah, let's get a donut, some coffee, raise our hands once in a while. Now you guys don't do that. Um, <laughs> sing a song. He finishes here in this section. He says in 20 to 23, he exerted, uh, he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand of the heavenly father, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, And every name that is invoked, not only in the present age, but also the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to the head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in every way. There's a lot there. What Paul is doing is he's describing the resurrection. He's describing where Jesus sits and his authority. He's describing the resurrection. The resurrection of Christ Jesus is the foundation of our relationship with Christ. It is the centerpiece of Christian theology. It is where we, where we live and where we die. It's what we don't compromise. It's the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ Jesus. But, but take what Paul said. Intimacy with God asking and praying for revelation, thanking God. Take the next 30 days, I challenge you in this. I challenge you, you guys won't do it, but I'm challenging you in it. Reverse psychology, I try it, it doesn't work with my kids either, I challenge you, commit to 30 days. Grab one of these cards as you receive communion. Write someone's name or write a situation on the back of it. Stick it on your mirror when you wake up in the morning or stick it in your car and commit to praying, thanking God for whatever that is for the next 30 days and watch what God might do. And and let me say this again. He might not take it away, but here's what I'm sure he will do. Give you peace. Give you revelation. Give you wisdom. And give you hope. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for your word. God, I thank you for this epistle. I thank you for Paul and his, gosh, Lord, the revelation and the wisdom. Lord, I thank you for the picture into a pastor's heart. I don't usually look at Paul as a pastor, but seeing his pastor's heart as he, God is thankful for these people and and he prays for them. God, I, I wanna pray for the men and women in this church I want to say thank you for them. Oh God, I am so humbled by those you have brought to this church. God, I pray for their, their hope. I pray for God that that'd be clarity of purpose in their lives. God, I pray that they'd have eyes to see. Lord, I pray that they wouldn't walk in condemnation. God, that they wouldn't walk in guilt. God, I pray that the men and women and women in this church wouldn't walk in any unforgiveness, Father. God, I pray that there would be just, uh, Lord, shoulders back and, and just a, 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 a pride in you, Christ Jesus, knowing that the power of the Holy Spirit lives in each one of them so that they would see you. God, let this church be a light in the midst of darkness. Let these men and women be lights throughout this city, Father God. Lord, I thank you for them. In Jesus' precious name, amen. Amen.